Go ahead, take your seats. Thank you so much, worship team. I was having the time of my life. My friend texted me this week, friend, this is what we call one another, friend. I don't know if you know this song, but my daughter sent me this song, and I think you're going to love it. And it was joy. And I gave her the big look when, it came, when we started to worship and sing with it. Oh, my soul, bless your name. My gosh, it frees me when I say it. Worship truly unlocks something in your heart that God's trying to move in. He's so good. He's so faithful. We don't just come and get to have fun, even though I enjoy it. I love music. But it is strategic and spiritual when God unlocks something in our hearts because of worship. It's so good. Well, this morning, you guys, I get to continue on with our series. And it is what my husband so lovingly titled it, God's Electric Power Company Tackles Troubles. And you know what's really ironic about that is I get to do the tackles troubles. And he would say that that's true of me and my personality and my spirit. He's a good man. He is a good man who's been married to me for 24 years. And tackles troubles. So fun because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Does it mean anything to anybody? Guys, because it's so fun. It's just something fun to watch and something you get to eat fun things. But I must say, I'm invested this year because we watched a documentary about quarterbacks, and I'm all in. Like, the minute they start talking about their personal story and their heart in the game, I'm like, yes. So the team I'm cheering for today is the Chiefs because I know Patrick. I know Patrick. I watched what he said. I know who his wife is. I watched the kids. I'm all in. So that's super fun. But the real title for this series is, and I got to look at it because now all I remember is God's Electric Power Company tackles troubles. It is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. So let's dive right in. I love that we get an opportunity at the beginning of the year to lean into God's word. Man, that's so good. I know that every day we should be in God's word, but it's hard work. And so Mike and I decided at the beginning of the year that we would dig into our Bibles as a church. And we've completed it. And, and however that looks for you is not the point. But it's more than a five, like the star moment. It's more than the gold star moment that you get once you've completed something, okay? Our hope and our prayer for you was that you would have revelation and grow in the things of God, not just information. Revelation has a broad term, and it's absolutely beautiful and significant. It is spiritual guidance that you, things are tailored and suited just for you and your understanding through spiritual guidance and revelation. And something else that's really important that blew my mind away, because it all comes around full circle when I end this message, but it uncovers things not yet known with an eternal perspective. It does that. It uncovers things. And so we're really excited that you had the opportunity to have a revelation in and of your own self. Why is that important to us? Why do we think that it is powerful for you to have your own revelation? Because this is what Jesus said in the book of John, in chapter 14, verse 26. This is how revelation comes to pass. It says, Jesus, 
in his very last conversation with his disciples. So imagine that for a second, you guys. I know we get up and read the words, but imagine it. I can imagine it because I've had moments where I've had my last words with people. My mom. My mom passed away probably, I think it was like 10 years ago. But in that moment when I'm reading this, I'm imagining my last words with her. But Jesus is having his very last conversation with his disciples before his crucifixion. And he says this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who is going to be sent by my Father in my name, he is going to teach you all things. And he's going to bring to remembrance what I said to you. Isn't that so powerful? When revelation comes, that's what Holy Spirit does. That's how it works. It's not just information. It's revelation that brings true transformation in your life. But how does that work? With what? The word. I'm going to get into Thessalonians. Hang in with me for a second. Thessalonians is coming. But with the word, that is God uses that word because it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and maybe some of you who have a history of faith and have dug into your Bible, you know it to be true that it says the word of God is alive and active. So when you sit with this word, I thought, how else can I explain to everybody that it's alive? It's not dead. It is not dead. It moves. It has purpose. It fulfills. It comes out alongside Holy Spirit and teaches. And then it goes on to say that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. That's an analogy used there to say that the joints are the hard places of us. And the mirror are the soft places of us. And his word comes right in. He's so clear and precise and intentional with this word alongside Holy Spirit to teach us. And then the word finishes off with the best part ever. It says it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. There is nothing else in the world that does that. My husband can't. He tries. Little buddy, he leans in all the time. He's so soft-hearted and kind and considerate, and I'm a crier. So that happens quite a bit for good reasons, for bad reasons, for lots of things. And he will say to me, why does that make you cry? <laughs> why, oh, why today are those tears coming? He has no idea what's going on in my heart, even though he tries. But this word will bring revelation because do not miss this. It goes on in verse 13 and it says, nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. And it's laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give an account. When you place yourself in this word, you are in his presence. We read the words, but he's watching and seeing. Nothing is covered up. 
everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. That is not to panic you. That is to free you. You do not have to fake this walk of faith. You can be you. Now, that's not an excuse to stay as you. (laughs) Don't stay the same. We want revelation and the Holy Spirit to change us. But remember how I said at the beginning when I was talking about revelation and how it uncovers something yet unknown? True revelation, it happens. It can only come from the one who sees everything uncovered. That's why we go in his word. That's why he's the only one who sees it all. He's the only one who can put his finger on things. He's the only one who can give that spiritual guidance. He's the only one who can change your heart. He's the only one because everything is uncovered. When you experience the relationship and a revelation with God through his word, he brings revelation, not just information. And then there's transformation. It's powerful. So let's pray, and then we're going to get in to what my mission is. My mission is to talk about just a few things that have been revelation to me while I read this word, while we were going through these books in the Bible. So, Father, I pray again, Holy Spirit, that you would bring fresh revelation. God, that your people would take a hold of what I'm saying, and your Holy Spirit would lean in and work on hearts and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Would you lead us? Would you change us today? We have humble hearts. We have humble hearts and we ask, Father, for revelation in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Okay, so jump right into 1 Thessalonians. I need my reading glasses. We're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Paul's writing a letter to the church of Thessalonians here. And gosh, it was so right on what Pastor Emily talked about this morning about the idols in people's heart. Because when Paul was writing this letter, the people of Thessalonica had gods for every single thing. They had gods for earth, they had gods for land, they had gods for hell, they had gods for heaven, they had gods for love, they had gods for anger, they had gods for so many things. But what's so radical was all the revelation that the people of the church at Thessalonia, how, what they had after they experienced the one true God. That this is what happens, they rejected all their former gods. Like guys, that sounds like, oh, Yes, okay. But think about it for a second. We sit here no different. We have idols that try to take the throne of our heart. We have things. We have places that we store in our hearts that have treasures that really are probably trash. We do the same thing. But Paul writes to them, and he says in verse 5, he tells us why there's been such transformation in this church. Verse 5, because, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. 
you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. That really stood out to me. The gospel came, not just in simple words. Again, it's revelation. It's Holy Spirit powered. It came with power from the Holy Spirit. And they had deep conviction. Deep conviction. What is that? That's actually something that shapes your behavior. It shapes who you are. It shapes, it renews your mind. It changes how you function on this planet. I have a few deep convictions. Um, I'm not the quietest. I would tell you, I'm sure if you've spent any time with me, you would know one of them. That my marriage is a holy matrimony. That 24 years ago, I walked down the aisle to this man and joined in a covenant of holy matrimony. Not a contract. Not just to do it. But there is a deep conviction that shapes my behavior because of that. There's a deep conviction in me. Another deep conviction I have, like a deep, deep one, like if I could put extra ease in this word, I would. A deep, deep conviction that my children are a gift from God. And they are my responsibility. I'm not enough, thank God. I'm not enough. But there is a deep conviction in me that my children are a gift and I'm responsible for them. And do you know why? Because the eyes of him to whom we must give an account watches me mother. He watches him father. There's a deep conviction that changes our behavior with our family because of that. There's another deep conviction I have that shapes my behavior, and it's obedience. Obedience to God. This church itself is a product of obedience. We humbled ourselves. This wasn't our plan. This wasn't even our want to, people. <laughs> How good do you feel about that? It wasn't even our want to. It was obedience. So you won't have a whiff of pride in this place. Anytime people try to make it about talents and abilities, of particular Mike, because he preaches, we quickly, humbly say, no, no, it is not about what we do. It's what God does through us, through us. There's a deep conviction, deep, deep conviction that shapes our behavior. That stood out to me so much in that word. But jump over to chapter 2. Paul's recapping about his ministry visit here. And the visit, he says, wasn't without results, though it was really, really a rough go in Philippi. He says, it's not without results. He said, with God's help, we dared to tell you guys about the gospel. And so let's read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Verse 3. For the appeal we make, it doesn't spring up from error or impure motives. Gosh, I could... That, that stood out to me because motives are hidden. 
I'm like, how did they know that there wasn't, in themselves, they could say they had pureness of heart, that there was no ill motive. They had pure motives. That's, that's faith-filled right there. Nor were we trying to trick you, verse, 14, verse 4. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And here it is. We are not trying to please people, but God. We are not trying to please people, but God. And why? He tests our hearts. That stood out to me. I'm like, what does that mean? What does that testing actually mean? Is that even fair? Like, does that mean read and study the word of God and know everything to perfection and then get 100% on the times that God tests me? No, 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 no. That's not what it is in this context. It simply means he checks the reliability of something. He's checking the reliability. He's not measuring you for perfection. It's just simple obedience and reliability. This is what it says in Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Everything you do comes from it. This is why he has to test it. Every single thing you do comes from it. And here's proof. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, um, it's, this one is the CSB, and I don't think they have it. But listen, listen carefully. It tells us here a good person stores up good. Start again. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in their heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in their heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. In this context, you guys, good isn't just the essence of good, okay? It actually means something that's profitable and beneficial. As much, you can know where I'm going with the evil part. The evil in this context is not simply, though it is, it doesn't just mean malicious or wicked. It actually means to have no worth or benefit. No worth or benefit in our heart. We store that up. That happens, good and bad, beneficial, not beneficial. We store those up in here. Like we're a storage unit. Like, we have one in the office. Our office, if you walk in, there's a beautiful vestibule. You enter in, and then you go in through another door. There's our big common area. And then you go in, there's a couple of offices, a beautiful bathroom. But you have to walk around to see our storage unit where things are stored up. Everything is in that thing. <laughs> Everything. I'm like, when we have people come visit, I'm like, Mike, don't show them the storage unit. <laughs> don't. We share it with some people too. So, I mean, there is stuff stored up in there. We do the same. And God looks in there. Just like I don't want Mike to show people, sometimes we don't want God to look in the storehouse either. What's in your store? He checks it. God checks it. He tests it. Are you pleasing me or are you pleasing people? 
for Samuel, verse chapter 16, verse 7, it says it this way. It was said of David, my God, he had a heart after God. Was the man perfect? Far from it. But was he humble? Absolutely. Did he allow God to do a work in his heart? Every time. It says in 1 Samuel, again, chapter 16, verse 7, for the Lord sees not as the man sees. Thank God. Because we're fake news sometimes. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What's stored up in your heart? What's in your store today? Every time you read the word of God, you grow because it tests what's in your heart. And remember, true revelation, it uncovers things not yet known. But the one who sees everything is able to lean in and pull out of you and adjust and tweak what's going on in your spirit when you align with his word. What's stored up? Am I? is what I had to ask myself at this point. Am I stubborn? Am I forgiving? Am I submitted? Is there humility in my store? Is there humility in there? Because God rebukes the proud. Am I contrite? Am I teachable? Don't be wise in your own eyes. You're not good enough. Am I generous? My God, what do I do with the things God has asked me to steward? My time, my character, my finances. Am I soft? Do I allow the alive and active word of God come in? Do I allow it? Am I obedient? Alignment with God's word and letting him tend to our hearts and letting him test it is so important. Being in the word of God by yourself, experiencing revelation with the help of Holy Spirit is transforming. Yes, you get it here. It's spirit-filled, but there is nothing Nothing like a personal conviction. We want to please him. And I don't want to do all things to just be religious. No thanks. I know a lot of what he said about religious people. And we're, no one's above it. But no thank you. I don't want to be religious. In the truest parts of my heart, I don't want to break God's heart. I don't do these things for myself. I do these things to let God work through me. I want to please him. If you want to jump over to 2 Thessalonians, this is going to be the last revelation as I share with you what spoke to my heart from these chapters. 2 Thessalonians. God, I thank you for your word. We see a lot of the same subjects that Paul's writing. They parallel the first letter. The second letter looks a lot like the same. Like they're talking about end times, suffering, um, 
talking about work ethic. But the idea in the second letter is that Paul's writing to the believers who he suspects might need a little bit of help and guidance. Just a little extra. And so he says the title of this chapter, this paragraph, sorry, is literally Stand Firm. I'm in right away. Like, I didn't even have to get into that paragraph, and I'm like, stand firm. Got it. In other words, maintain your position, church. Maintain your position, church, is what Paul is saying here. He's going to encourage us with two things. What is that position? There's two things that he wants us to stand firm in. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and his verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you. God, Paul was so thankful. Brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. If you didn't hear a thing I said today, hear that. It's a good place to start with Revelation. Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Sanctification work of the Holy Spirit. It's ongoing. It happens all the time. That's why when you get a revelation from something that you've read a hundred times, you get something new because the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. What is sanctification? It's the action of making or declaring something holy. You're holy. You have a holy spirit. Not an angry spirit, not a lustful spirit, not a greedy spirit. Jesus said, we have the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? How do we stand firm? How do we maintain our position in being sanctified? Let the Holy Spirit sanctify us. There's two things here, guys. We grieve Holy Spirit and we quench Holy Spirit. That's our humanness. We are. Grieving Holy Spirit happens by what we do. Quenching Holy Spirit is refusing to let him work through you. It's being disobedient. It's being disobedient. Number two. Paul says, stand firm, hold your position, maintain it with believe the truth. Believe the truth. We know the word of God says that it actually sets us free. It sets us free. Galatians 5, going back to right where we started, Galatians 5, verse 1, it says this, it is for freedom that you have set us free. Stand firm then. Stand firm then. 
And don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Maintain your position, sanctified and set free. That's what he says you are today. Sanctified and set free. The action. Remember we talked about what the word of God is. It's alive and active. Sanctifying is the action of making or declaring you are holy. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray for you. I'm so grateful every single week for Mike in particular when he comes with the word. And Pastor Matt and you're going to hear from Brent next week. And we're so excited for what God has done in his life and the relationship and the revelation that he gets from God and what Holy Spirit does in him. And I'm excited to share this word about revelation with you this morning. I hope and believe that Holy Spirit is working in you. I hope and believe that through these words you don't stay the same. I hope and believe that the power and the word of God comes in to penetrate and divide even through your soul and spirit, joints and marrow. I pray that it judges the attitudes and thoughts of your heart today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you move in this room because you see everything that's uncovered. Reveal what's hidden, God, in this place this morning. We're going to take literally just a second. Um, if Matt and him, you just want to sing something really short. But would you let Holy Spirit work on your heart with those thoughts? Would you just give them a second? Because we're going to go into our week. We're going to go into everything else that we do here on a Sunday. Go and get some good coffee. But take a second for Holy Spirit to move in your heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
week, Almighty God, I pray that you would help your people, help your people in their hearts, help your people with their thoughts and with their attitudes, God. I pray that you would develop in them a hunger for your word so that they can get their own revelation. Father, that you can lean in on the parts in their heart where you want to grow them, help them, change them, renew them, God, and build them up and strengthen them. Father, I thank you so much for your word. It is alive and active. And as it went out from my lips today, I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do with it. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you don't leave us the same that you change us over and over and over. Father, you are, we want to give you glory. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory in this place. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Super Bowl. Again, this service is over, but you are the church. So go, grab a coffee, say hi to everybody. And sign up for baptisms. Go see Atmosphere, the welcome guest, and sign up.